there's a question that we often ask new counselors, which is trying to find your sweet spot. When are you at your very best as a college counselor? And one of the things that I've observed over the years is no matter who the counselor is or what their particular approach is, we all tend, not everyone, but most of us tend to be at our best in informal environments. This is Let's Talk Higher Ed, a podcast for high school counselors and university admissions representatives worldwide who aim to help connect students to their dream schools. In each episode, we hold candid conversations with our community of students, their counselors, and universities to discuss everything from dealing with anxious parents to ensuring a seamless transition to university life. Let's get started. Welcome to Let's Talk Higher Ed Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Munland, Senior Director of Education Partnerships at Seattle. Seattle supports counselors with our powerful and simple-to-use platform, helping counselors and students save time and making higher education more accessible worldwide. We also support universities. Seattle is your trusted partner to help you find right-fit undergraduate students from the largest network of international schools. On today's podcast, we invite Jeff Neal, college counselor at Graded, the American School of Sao Paulo, Brazil, to discuss our recent webinar on time-saving tips and tools for every counselor. We dive into the highlights from the webinar along with a few additional takeaways and insights. And I'm very, very happy to have Jeff Neal here on the show. How are you today? Great, Tim. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Okay. Well, we did this webinar and we had a lot of people show up. It was one of our more popular webinars we've done. And we don't want to rehash every point, but we want to just talk about some of the things, you know, after you do these kind of presentations, you think, oh, I wish I would have said this or I expanded a little bit more of that. Any highlights for you that you remember from, from that webinar? Sure. Yeah, I think quite a few. And it was an interesting webinar as well, because I've received quite a few emails and outreach from people who attended and even from some people who didn't attend, who wanted to hear a little bit more about this idea or that idea. I think one of the things that I think probably was most intriguing to people who are working in the college counseling domain is this idea of a FedEx day. And maybe, Tim, I can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. This FedEx day, this is golden idea out there. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I'll give full credit. This is not my idea. This comes obviously from the FedEx Corporation and was shared with me first in a book called From Good to Great, if I remember correctly. And the idea is the research supports that when 20% of your allocated time is given up to creative endeavors, productivity, and I think flourishing within the workplace goes up. And again, that's based on research. So what I did is kind of applied this to my work day, my work week as a college counselor, where 20% of your time is one day per five day work week. And what we do is what, you know, and, and I've brought this to each one of the schools where I've worked and it's taken hold. We take one day and we block it off with no meetings, no student meetings whatsoever. And that, you know, during the first semester, Northern Hemisphere first semester, that ends up being a time to write the probably the most creative of creative endeavors, the writing of the counselor letters of recommendation. And, you know, it gives that dedicated time to do that work, but it also gives time to catch up on those emails, to do sort of follow-up work that just kind of piles up. And so again, it's a, just a day where you sit and you do that work. I've got colleagues that prefer to work from home on those days. Each time I've presented this to the administration, it's been supported with apprehension wow. at first. But yeah. I think when they see the, the lived results, it ends up 
I think paying dividends for everybody. Great. Well, thanks. I, yeah, just this unbelievable idea that you're going to take one day out of the week, going to get the critical work done, going to limit meetings, if not completely get, get rid of them. It sounds pretty fantastic. It is. And, you know, a couple of sort of data points that I would share is one, when I'm working five days a week meeting with students, I find that my threshold for tolerating of a tolerance of student meetings is maybe in that like five to seven range. I can get through five or seven 30 minute student meetings without sort of totally tapping out mentally. When I do a FedEx day, what I found is I can get through 12 to 15 with no problem. I'm not worried about some of the residual follow-up emails or or you know, getting that kid that thing because I will postpone that to the FedEx day. I'll just say, I'll do that on the FedEx day. And okay, so who's next? And I'm, so what I'm finding is I'm able to get through far more students in a given week by, by sacrificing one day per week. So that's a, been a Got pretty it. transformative idea in my work week. Awesome. Well, one of the other things that we talked a lot about was creating a workspace and an inviting place for students to come and, and be a part of the counseling program. Any highlights from you about that? Yeah, sure. So what we find is, you know, there's a question that we often ask new counselors, which is trying to find your sweet spot. When are you at your very best as a college counselor? And one of the things that I've observed over the years is no matter who the counselor is or what their particular approach is, we all tend, not everyone, but most of us tend to be at our best in informal environments. So one of the thoughts that we had is let's increase those opportunities for informal interactions with students. So here at Graded, what we've done is we've turned our, uh, our main office space, our, our community area into a very student friendly space. We've got comfortable couches. We've got bean bags. We've got a popcorn machine. We've got coffee and tea. We have candy, lots of snacks to entice them in, but also workspaces, study spaces where they Right now, as we're recording this, there's two groups of ninth grade, grade, ninth grade girls and 10th grade boys sitting out there doing work. They're using the space and they're in, they're in there. So we're getting to know them. We're getting to interact with them. We're talking to them. You know, and every once in a while, they ask a, a really germane, you know, college counseling question. But so much of it is just breaking the ice and knowing that, you know, we're here for them and, and knowing that this is a space that they can use. So that's a big piece of the philosophy is, again, inter increasing those touch points in an informal setting. All right. Now, we talked a lot about calendaring and, and sitting down and mapping out a whole year. You know, you talked a lot about, about working backwards. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So when we talk about calendaring, I've got two, I think, different approaches. One, one is on the annual scale where we are a very, we do work in a very cyclical world where things are just, you know, variations on a theme from the previous year. So what we have a commitment to doing is just writing down everything, basically in a spreadsheet, date, event, and then notes. And, and the notes each year are like, how could we do this better? Is the timing right? And then we just keep writing. We record everything that we do from mass emails to student programs, to classroom time, to announcements, trying to think what else, some of our newsletters and things like that. And we just try to revisit that at the beginning of every week. What did we do this week last year? based on the notes that we've already constructed. And we just keep updating that. So this iterative process of a master calendar is something that I've shared elsewhere that is, you know, I think taken uh, on a life of its own in, in other counseling offices. Then the second idea in terms of calendaring that I'm pretty committed to is getting students to work backwards, particularly when we get to that senior 
first semester. When we try to find those students, you know, we're going to have 82% of our seniors who have a November 1st deadline. And we give them a blank calendar, have them circle November 1st and work backwards from there. We have a commitment in our office to having them and the counselors submit all documents, all applications two weeks before a posted deadline. So we circle, you know, it's going to be Tuesday, October 18th. That's the submission deadline for students. So how do they then plan backwards to get those applications done? And we have them put everything from, you know, submitting of testing scores if they're doing that. When will they be finished with supplemental essays? When will they be done with the actual application, the supplement, the main the main common app application or, or wherever in the world they're applying. And we just have them work backwards and we have them circle on the calendar when they plan to have those things done. Then as a second overlay, we have them go through and circle the dates, put a little star where they feel they will need an appointment with their college counselor. And we use Calendly. We, you know, other schools use Google or other scheduling software and we have them go through and actually book their meetings. So a student in early August, when we begin, will actually have you know, a sequence of six or seven meetings with their college counselor scheduled through the end of October, often into December from the first week. So it is just a way to, I guess, work backwards and do that calendaring, doing that scheduling that again, when you, when you present it to students in that way, it increases their accountability and their sort of follow through, I guess, on that process. One of the biggest takeaways that I had during our presentation was talking about Parkinson's law. And that's basically that our work expands to fill in the time available for its completion. So if you have a month to do a presentation and get it ready, it's going to take you exactly one month to do that. And I know as counselors, you, you get a lot of things coming at you and you tend to think, oh, I've got you know a couple of weeks before that needs to be done. And what we find is that just kind of hangs over our head for, for quite some time. And so being able to constrict that and say, hey, I've got time to do this here now let me do it or put on a calendar, get it done with, don't let it expand out. We were talking a little bit before we were recording this. You were talking about you have this approach with dealing with email, which I know every counselor wakes up to 50 to 100 pieces of email each day. What's your approach to email now? Yeah. So this, this has taken on a lot of, a, lot of, a lot of interest from a lot of counselors. But in addition to FedEx days, which I think is a, is a primary way to to address some of this, I also do something else where I have a half an hour blocked off every day on my schedule for just email. And so what I do is I apply what others have called a one-touch email policy. When I open an email the first time, I deal with that email. If it's a really short response, I'll, I'll send a quick response. Yes, no, come see me. Quick, go do that. If it's going to take a lengthier reply, I will do one of two different things. If it's a, a postpone it either to a FedEx day or to that time during which I have set aside for emails and I'll hide it from my inbox. I love the Google function where you can just hide the email so it's not weighing on my mind. It's not occupying. It'll pop up when I need it to when in that time that's scheduled. Or the other thing, if it's going to be a lengthier one, a parent email, for example, where they're really concerned about a child, I will just book a time in my own calendar for myself to respond to that particular email. Again, Google's really great because you can make an event out of an email, and that's something that I do as well. So I, again, one-touch email where I deal with the email the first time that it comes through. So it's not just, you know, I'm not becoming a victim of my inbox. Got it. Coming up in the next couple of weeks on Wednesday, uh, October 12th, we're going to have a webinar called uh, Counselor Self-Care and Mental Health. We've got a, a psychologist and medical director at a counseling service program in Hong Kong. Dr. Michael Eason is going to join us for that. 
And we're gonna talk about burnout and and what that looks like amongst educational professionals. And you know, you and I have talked a lot about this over our years of, of, of working together about our job as counselors, where are the boundaries, you know, what is good enough? Jeff, you're an accomplished counselor. You've been doing this for, for a number of years in a variety of situations. Any words of advice of what is good enough? And do I need to know everything about everything all the time? What's your take on that? Yeah, that's such a great question, Tim. And maybe it's a topic for a, uh, another webinar at some point. But, you know, I think simply put, I would say that, you know, from where I sit, I think, you know, what is good enough is something that you constantly need to revisit. And I would say also over time, when I first started doing this work, I'll just give the quick example that I was, I always felt that there was a greater expectation that I knew all of the answers, that I was much more of a, possessed of a, an encyclopedic understanding of every college and university out there. And before I met with students, we would often ask for their list of schools. And part of the reason for that was so that we could do research. Now, I do not feel as compelled. I think part of that is age and wisdom, but I think it's partially also just the growth of, of the chaos within college counseling, college admissions world over the last 20 years since I've been doing this work. But we're not really in, you know, I think felt to be that content expert. We are expected to know how to get those answers and how to counsel students with a lot of those answers. But the point, the reason I bring that up is to take a step back, we have to constantly revisit this idea of like, what is good enough? What was good enough 22 years ago when I first started doing this work is a very different good enough than it, what it is right now. Now I feel as a counselor that I need to have a bigger bag of tricks to access and reach every single student that comes through my door. Whereas way back then, it was just a matter of what did I know? It has, and that's changed quite a bit. So I think that's one side of that. Another perspective on this idea of, of what is good enough is, is thinking about that student that's sitting across from you and all the different ways in which that student might come in with different experiences, aptitudes, interests, and what is the common, and again, I steal a term from the business world, they call it the MVP, the minimal viable product. What is the minimum viable product that your college counseling offer is espousing? What is it that if there's an art student looking to go to school in Brussels versus a business student who wants to go to somewhere in the US, what is the common experience that you're willing to offer those students? Taking time to think about those things, and it might be strange in your perspective that this is coming up in a webinar or a, a podcast on efficiency, but when you focus on those things, it definitely increases the efficiency and efficacy of the work that you do. Thinking about what your what is your ultimate goal and what is your ultimate aim? Yeah, I think that's great. And, and, and yeah, I think it lowers our own anxiety about it. And that's some really great words of advice there. For those of you who are joining us for this podcast, just a reminder that we did a, a webinar. We'll put this in the show notes. But basically, we had over 50 practical tips for counselors of how they can save time. These were just several of the highlights of it and, and things that we wanted to talk more about it. Jeff, thanks so much for being a guest on, on the webinar and also on our podcast today. Uh, what are you going to be doing on your next FedEx day? Huh, writing Rex. It is October 5th where I am right now, and I've got uh, maybe 22 more to go. So lots of Rex this time of have, year. We haven't solved that problem yet, the whole Rex writing yet, have we? Not yet. Not yet. We're working on it. All right, Jeff, all the best. And to all your students there uh, in Sao Paulo, we want to wish them all the best this year.
as well. Thanks so much, Tim. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk Higher Ed. This show is brought to you by Cialfo, a fast-growing global ed tech company and student-first career exploration and college application network. If you enjoyed this episode, then follow Let's Talk Higher Ed wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Or join us online at cialfo.co slash podcast for all of the latest episodes.